0: Sorry about the noise, my neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto, don't work on your deck, play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck, low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
1: On SEN, the captain's run with cane Corns.
2: Good morning to... What a first day of test cricket it was. As as good as it gets, uh, we're going to get to Jared Whateley, the captain of the SEN commentary team. Guys did a a magnificent job yesterday. Went for a run and nothing smells summer and sounds like summer than having cricket on the radio. The guys did a terrific job. Couldn't have been better the first day. We'll wrap it all up very, very shortly. We've also got a big day. I'm going to hand out my captain's run awards today. It's been an eventful year to say the least. Who's won the awards? We did it last year. We got you involved. We'll do that again after 9.30. We're going to talk some local talent, not local talent, but Australian talent from under-18s in the AFL. The newest batch has been named for the AS Academy. The head coach is Tarkin Lockyer. Looking forward to chatting to Tarkin, former Collingwood star, about the next big things in the AFL. We're going to talk some NBA. We're going to go all the way to Houston. Tommy Morris, ahead of the AFL fixture, potentially being released today or very shortly. The preseason was out yesterday. We'll get Tom's thoughts on that, and he's also a massive cricket fan as well, so we'll get his thoughts on the first day. And Darren Kale's going to talk some tennis with us. The uh, Australian Open has finally been locked in for the 8th of February, which is good, and who better to talk to than Killer Kale, the coach of uh, one of the best players in the world, Simona Halep, is going to join us. But let's get to him because he's been good enough to drop by the Lumo Energy studio here, just hundreds of metres away from the magnificent Adelaide Oval, on the back of the first day, where the Aussies stumps have India six for two hundred and thirty-three. Jared Waitley is his name. Jared, thanks for stopping by. Kane, good morning. It, what, what a day! Yeah, it was a terrific day.
3: It it offered all the different rhythms of Test cricket, the, the period of occupation and an eventful start and a really eventful finish, which is what we've come to expect from the pink ball. You, you sort of you lay in wait as the light changes and wonder where it will come from and by the end of the day again it's not as good as India would have hoped for an hour out and then it wasn't as bad as mm. India would have feared half an hour out and somewhere in there is is your judgement on where it sits I, I think it's pretty even to be honest because 233 that the little rattle along at the end of the scoreboard while australia was searching for wickets suited india's cause Anything around 280, keeping in mind that two years ago, they won a day test with the first innings of 250 India. So, yeah, the runs will keep up there quickly.
2: There are storylines everywhere, and a lot of those will come from when the Aussies bat. But let's go through and work our way through the biggest storylines <laughs> yes. yesterday. There's there's none bigger than Coley being run out by Rahane. Now, I couldn't imagine a worse feeling in sport than running out your captain and an icon of the game when he's on 74 at such a pivotal moment, just before the new ball was due. What did you make of it? Well, Coley was on track for a century. He was. And it,
3: it wasn't always like that, as he might have been out on 16 if Australia had used their review. It was a rickety period, I think, while he was batting with Pajara. He got struck on the thumb. Australia had just pulled short leg out, ballooned up, probably would have been caught but he had settled into his rhythm late in the second session and certainly in what we regard as the difficult period in the third. And you're starting to run through, okay, so Coley's here for one test. His force of personality defines his cricket and it characterizes his nation. He was on course for that monumental century to set the tone before he departs the team and to give them the best chance to be 1-0 up. He's batting with his vice captain who's about to take the reins and who he has endorsed is India won't fall apart when I leave because Ajinka Rahane is ready for this. And they've batted extremely well together, much better than Kohli and Pajara batted together. And then Rahane balks at a single, a single that he calls. And I, I asked Simon Kaddich this late in the night. At what point does the moral obligation kick in, Kane? To complete that run. He had to go. You called it. You left. The icon of the nation is at the other end on his way to a staring century. You can't stop. You can't <laughs> change your mind from yes to no.
2: Just keep going and keep running to the dugout. He had to go. And I, I want to ask the question, and we take a lot of your calls, and we'll do that right through until 12 o'clock. 0433 98 11 16. Is there a worse feeling in sport than running out your skipper who's on 74 just before the new ball's due in an underlights test at the Adelaide Oval where things do funny things with the ball when India went on to lose three for 18 after that? I can't think of many worse. Now, you've been to Olympic Games. I think a false start in a swimming event, if you were the second person to false start and being disqualified for that. Yep. you're letting yourself down as an individual. This is a team aspect as well. You know, just from a footy standpoint, you know, kicking across goal and turning it over in your back 50 that cost you a goal is awful. And you want to shrink into the ground. But that's right up there. I can't think of much worse.
3: Because you don't get... Like, footy offers you the chance to on- onwards. Like, yeah. it's the and team like, environment and that's correct. one goal. You move on. It probably is... So Brad Haddon said the two worst feelings in cricket were dropping a catch and running your teammate out. And in this circumstances, I would drop 50 catches (laughs) rather than run Virat Kohli (laughs) out. You just forfeit your place in the team dropping oh. catches before you'd run Virat Coley out. I would whose obligation is it to to have the conversation at the end of play? Does Rahane have
2: to go to Coley? To. Or does Coley go, No, you're never gonna come and see me. I better come and see you. Well it's a it's a pivotal moment and we can we can laugh about it, but in terms of the attitude. For the whole team, I think it would have been a great statement because the cameras were going to Cole and he was sitting on the dugout and he was visibly upset and visibly frustrated, particularly as the wickets fell with the new ball. I think a pivotal moment from a team aspect and a great leader would go and address it straight away and in full view of the rest of the team. It's like, hey, we're we're in this. Like, this isn't. This isn't a disaster. We haven't been skiddled for eighty-seven on the first day. We are right in this. We've still you know, put on another fifty, as you say. We're probably we're probably in front. So I think a pivotal moment for whatever happened—I don't know what happened—for um, him to do that and show some leadership—it would have been a, a bit of a statement for him. I'm I'm a bit the same. I think once they
3: don't get bowled out, because he's sitting there, not only he's stewing on the personal side of things, but also around the team they had built up. The, the potential for advantage, and then that got squandered. And Rahane didn't recover. He made mm. one more run. Mm. He was out. And you you regularly see that in cricket. That's a lot to get over within an innings. Mm. And Vahari uh, made a rapid fire um, uh, 16, and then was out LBW. If they had been bowled out, the ramifications of it were far greater. But they've still got four wickets in hand. So I'm a bit the same. I, I think I think it's Coley's to put aside. But the magnitude of it, and you're right, is that there's it, there's you can have a laugh about but it defined the day. It's possible that it will define the test match, and it's entirely possible it will define the series. Mm. Is India for what might have been, and think about what a Kohli century in this test match might have done to stamp them and set them on their way if that leads to victory, and then if that sets up the opportunity to win the series. Like, mo- there are moments in test series, and we've lived through an and ashes in recent times, or there are, there are just defining moments that happen. This is the first of this series and who's to say what shadow it casts.
2: And it is what we love about it. Like the defining, for for such a long and arduous day, there can be just moments that, as you say, define not only the test match, but, the series and particularly with Coley with only one innings left. It's going to be interesting to see how they played. 16 the worst feelings in sport. Reflect on your experiences playing mm-hmm. local sport or whatever sport you played. What do you think is, is one of the worst feelings in sport? I was so impressed by the Aussies yesterday. Yes, yeah, so I was. I, I just thought it was an outstanding. They hardly gave an inch. And it had me thinking um, last night in terms of a, four bowlers and you can add green into the mix now that we've ever had in the history of Australian cricket. And there's been some unbelievable combinations and, you know, growing up for me to, to have Shane Warne and how lucky we were to witness that. And Glenn McGrath, just giving nothing away. Jason Gillespie, Brett Lee, those four spring to mind for me because that's my era. But Lion, Hazelwood, Stark um, and Cummins is, is hard to top. Are, are they right up there? I think they are. They were outstanding in their
3: planning yesterday. I don't think there was much in it for them. I don't think the pitch yeah. offered great assistance and the cloud cleared as as play was set to commence. So there wasn't a lot through the air. Australia's had two years to think about how to bowl to India. And particularly, I think the best example is Chetiswa Prajara, who faced, what was it, 1,258 mm. balls in the previous series. and And... Just dominated Australia, battered Australia into the ground. Yesterday was different. There, were, he did occupy for 160 balls, but it was nothing like the way that he batted two years ago. He's called the wall. Mm-hmm. There, there were there were routinely cracks in that wall yesterday. He was unsettled early. Australia had a plan. The short leg is is used very um, only briefly in modern Test cricket. The short leg was in place for. Clearly, the majority of overs yesterday, and and a vast majority, I would suspect 85% of the day, there was a short leg Mm. in place. There was a leg gully employed. They tied up his capacity to score. So, occupation is one thing, but stalling is another. They stalled Pajara. And then as soon as Lyon came into the attack, and they used the silly mid-off. Now, two years ago, this was the point of great debate, is why didn't Australia use the player under his nose on the offside to prevent him just kicking the ball away repeatedly over and over? And they did. So Head went in under the helmet there. And honestly, there were chances the whole way through when Lyon was bowling to him. There was a chance to Head, which I don't think he could have grasped. There was a chance to Wade at short leg, which he probably should have grasped. There was a chance to Labashane at leg slip. And then they finally got him. It seemed inevitable that they would get Pajara, Bat Pad, Mm. and they did for, um, for 43. That's a clear win for Australia. And they made Coley and Rahane work really hard for their runs. I thought they were exceptionally well-planned. And more than that, they executed, I think, on a day that didn't offer a lot, brilliantly, just metronomic in what they were doing. I was very impressed with Green. is mm. He hit his markers plus 140 straight away. He looked really – he was energetic. He looked comfortable. He beat the outside edge. He, he caused a few dramas along the way as a as a reinforcement fourth seamer that's going to work after one day i think you can yeah. say that's going to serve australia well
2: he's a striking figure i was you know, just watching him in the national anthem and he's 200 centimeters yeah. and he's every bit of it and he's 21 years of age and i think you know, i think he's genuinely someone who will be a, an absolute star of this country for the next 10 to 12 years and i haven't even seen him bat yet so nine overs he bowled which is about what we expected and he was, was on the money. And hopefully he gets his first wicket. That'll be a great it story wouldn't. today as well. He came close yeah. late last time. I don't night. know
3: whether he'll get much of a look in this morning because it is a, a new ball. That I imagine they'll start with Stark and Hazelwood and then Cummins. I don't think they'll keep lying out of it for too long mm. either. So he might have to wait till the second innings. But regardless, I think you can you can make your early judgments and go, we haven't had that player for a long time. the Bowling the plus 140s is is the fourth seamer when Mitch Marsh has played. He doesn't bite, bowl quite that quickly. Mm. He's always been a threat in England, for instance, but a little bit less so here. Yeah, there was a, There's a lot to like. I, I think the bowling core, the planning, I think Justin Langer would be really pleased with all that they'd spoken about and all that they'd learnt from two years ago. They put into action and they've given us a, a good hint. But still, there's 233 runs on the board and there's four wickets in hands. And the difference between 250, 275, 300 and 320 today is enormous. Like, that's the test match. It's the next four wickets and 70 runs. It'll define the test.
2: Number of chances fell just short. I can't remember, Sal. There's probably four that fell just short. Uh, in slips, there was you know a few that fell just meters either side of short leg as you, you explained. So the Aussies had their opportunities through some uh, luck that didn't go their way. Um, they could have probably dismissed India out for for, for two hundred. Today is going to be a massive day when the Aussies get their opportunity to bat. I, I heard you discussing it with Pete Lawler yesterday in terms of the Joe Burns selection. You joined us on SEN yesterday and explained that you are a bit shocked that he that he got the nod. We're hoping, we're wishing, yeah. and we, we, we want him to do well, but it's hard to make a case for him today.
3: So it's all fingers crossed. Yeah, it is. I, I feel like yeah. we're the, the debate is uh, is not only necessary, it's essential. It's essential that there's accountability in these things and we're, we're right to cast our own judgments. But ultimately, when he walks out to bat, we all cross our fingers yeah. and hope for the best. We want the triumph against the odds here. And we also want Matthew Wade to be successful. So... Wade has served Australia extremely well, and in a way, like he he's a problem solver for them. So he's going to. I listened to him yesterday. He he's never opened the batting in any form of red ball, pink ball mm, cricket. Mm. So he does in white ball cricket, but it's a totally different thing. So he said he's batted seven, six, five, four, three, and now he'll one. bat two and one okay. uh, at in the in the twilight of his career. So it is fingers he- crossed. But it's not to underestimate what they're up against. is Boomer and Shammy, world-class opening bowlers, formidable task. And I do think there'll be, what happens there will have an emotional impact on the team. Mm. So they all know that as a collective, they're taking chances here. If it works, it'll be a boom for for the batting lineup. If they're none for 40, it doesn't have to be extravagant, mm. none for 40 and Labashan and Smith will be smiling, ready to get out there. And if early wickets fall, it'll have that, oh, we knew this was a risk. So they own it. I thought Pete Lawler had a really nice way of saying, this is not about Joe Burns anymore. This is about the selectors. Mm. They've made the call. As Burns hasn't put himself in the team, Mm. all judgment sits on them. In a way, Burns is sort of freed up from that. It's just the problem is his game is in no shape that we've seen, hopefully, Across a few days, he's got a method that might serve him well in the middle.
2: You played the grab of David Warner speaking yesterday. I should credit where it was from. I, I can't recall. Um, um,
3: Bensley on SEN track.
2: Thank you for that. He said that he's running yeah. at a speed of about 14 kilometers an hour. He needs to get to 26, 27 kilometers an hour before he's confident to run between the wickets and field and move sideways. Doesn't doesn't sound like he's back anytime soon.
3: No, he's not playing boxing no. day. Uh, I think he, he kept the, the optimism that you have to as an athlete, I'm sure. I think you talk to people around the Australian lineup, the decisions that they're making are for two tests and there's a longer break than usual before between Melbourne and Sydney. Sydney doesn't start to Jan 7. So Australia won't, I I can't believe they're taking any chances with Warner. We won't see him Mm -hmm. in Melbourne. So what's what they're, what they're trying here is going to have to hold for two tests or, or get minor adjustments, but I'm sure these are are two test decisions.
2: Jared, stick around. We'll take a, a short breather here. If you want to have your say on the first day, you can. 1300 736 736. If you've got a question for Jared, of course, we'll get through a number of your texts as well. 0433 98 1116. And we'll be back after this. Our temper text is busy. 0433 98 1116. Come on, Kane. You serious about what an enthralling day's cricket is? Just so how satisfied we've become with mediocrity. If boycott had brought us to death like that, the crowd would have been heckling them all day long. If only the glory days of Richard Saywerg and both were there, says Cole in Lara. Well, I'm a little bit sick of the high run scoring BBL and short formats that we've just become accustomed to. It was good to see a different aspect of what makes Test cricket so good. I thought it was a terrific battle.
3: And that... That's a completely legit view. There were both views around the media area yesterday. Some people were really cranky and come on, get on with it. And some people were enthralled by the duels that were going on and Mm. the tactics that were being worked through. There'll be a big payoff to a day like that. Like this test will now edge its way towards something great. Mm. Whereas if if India makes 380 on the first day or Australia bowl them out for 160, You sort of scupper the test. It's poised.
2: A few questions for you as well, Jared. We just spoke off air about Sydney situation and the Premier over there is going to update everyone at 11 o'clock, but she has said this morning to expect more cases. The New Year's test is in Sydney as it sits. Um, Contingency plans, do you think?
3: I would think so, in the same way that there were a couple of days where there would have been contingency plans around Adelaide's tests. It's, It's less about whether you can go to Sydney and everything about whether you can leave Sydney. So it's a quick turnaround, Sydney to Brisbane, and it's no good being in Sydney if the borders are closed to Queensland. Mm. So we'll have Nick Hockley, the interim chief executive of Cricket Australia on in our pre-match today. And I'm sure they'll be really circumspect, but there'll be a couple of options. There'll be not to leave Melbourne unless you're absolutely guaranteed about being able to get out of New South Wales Mm. once you play the Sydney test or there'll be the option to go straight to Queensland if if it escalates from here and if states close borders. So it'll have nothing to do with sport. It'll all be on what governments do to their borders around New South Wales.
2: And I heard you speak yesterday on the coverage about Will Pukowski and this, the delicate situation that uh, he is in. And you're reading between the lines on something Justin Langer has said, and you're not 100% sure whether he'll be back because there's a question here from Damien asking you whether he'll be included in the squad from Melbourne.
3: So he's still in the squad at Melbourne's his hometown. That's where he is. I just, when I listened to Justin Langer and he expressed his concern, both the short term and the long term concern, it led me to think that they'll take a really conservative approach with what now is a ninth concussion. Mm-hmm. So he would have played here. It would have been a formality that he was playing in the boxing day test. Um, he was still experiencing symptoms a couple of days ago i'm not quite sure how his health is right now i'll probably i'll probably now be surprised if he plays a test match um in this summer i'd be surprised if he plays boxing day it's just it's just reading between the lines it wasn't mm. the as soon as with the green concussion it was that, as soon as he's clear of the protocols he's in yep. he's in pending this Langer's language is really different around Pukowski. And well it should be mm. well it should be with a young player who's suffered multiple concussions, there's there's a lot of different obligations of care around here. And while I think as a nation we've felt this this incredible urge to have Pukowski there and a level of impatience, I think we all have to look at the big picture of what concussion is in sport and go, Okay, it'll it'll happen when it happens. Before we let you go, whose dressing room would you have rather been in last night? I think Australia's, with the proviso that they get through quickly today. So India's tail is dangerous. The two out in the middle are, are accomplished. Saha, who we well know from a, a big century that he made against Australia. Ashwin's made multiple test centuries. The three at the bottom are sort of all or nothing, Yadav Shami and and we just saw Boomer in the A game, so they'll they'll swing it around. Mm. And as I say, the the next seventy runs will actually determine the Test match. So can India get them? So I I like Australia if they take quick wickets.
2: Looking forward to the coverage once again for an enthralling Test match. Uh, You're headed up from twelve thirty. The pre match starts. That's I think that's right. The oh, 30. 30. Get the so check that, I reckon it's 1 o'clock Melbourne, 12.30 Adelaide. There you go. 1 o'clock Melbourne. Tune in for what's going to be a great day. Enjoy the rest of it and we'll catch up with you shortly. Cheers, Cain. Jared Waitley live in the studio. On the other side of the news with Meredith Gibbs, I want to take your calls. We're going to get through some sporting awards for the year in the way that I saw it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. Look forward to chatting with you right through until 12 o'clock. We have a big show coming up. But right now, the important news headlines with Meredith Gibbs. Well, I'm getting smashed on the text machine. 0433981116. What is a good day of Test Cricket? A lot of people were bought out of their brains yesterday. Some others enjoyed it. I I loved it. But was I on my own? Now it's your opportunity to have your say. Lines are open available. It is your show as much as it is um, ours, and it's the last one for the year. So I'd love to chat to you this morning for you to have your say on any sporting topic, particularly interested in the worst feelings in sport, false starting at the Olympic Games or running your opponent out, dropping a simple catch, kicking a cross goal in footy, which leads to an opposition goal. All some of those coming through already. Would love your thoughts on that. Uh, At this time, uh, each and every year, I like to hand out my Captain's Run Sporting wards awards of the year. So I put some things together and sort of created my own little categories for this um yesterday and I'd love your thoughts on this. So the 20 the award categories go like this if you want to get involved. I've got the sporting man of the year, the sporting woman of the year, the next big thing award, I've got the main tweet of the year award and that is a, a tough category to crack because there was a lot of those coming through. I've got the brain fade award and the tool of the year award. So there's the six categories for the captain's run awards this morning. And I would love for you to get involved and, and have your say who won your award. So we'll start with the sporting man of the year. Um, for me, and this is, this is my own, so you can have your say as well for those that will, will smash me on this and say, well, it doesn't deserve it. But for me, Dustin Martin was the sporting man of the year. I, Um, self-indulgently was lucky enough to be at the grand final and to see his third goal which was the goal of the year um, there's no argument about that it was his third it was sealed his third premiership and his third Norm Smith medal a night grand final at a season that we didn't think at stages we were going to get underway and to stamp himself as an absolute all-time great and achieve something that I don't think will ever be repeated was the moment of the year and I, I thought he was the sporting man of the year for me one three hundred seven three six who is your sporting man of the year you can have your say on that the sporting woman of the year is is not as high profile for me but what she did achieve was something extraordinary in one of the toughest sports um, of track and field in the world and and for what would have been an Olympic year and I'm a bit of a running nerd so I do have a bias towards this and As I said, you can have your say on on who would have won yours. But her name is Jessica Hull. She's a star track and field athlete. The Olympics was cancelled, so she didn't sit around and sulk. She went off overseas and competed in a number of world-class events, which they still put on. In August, she broke an 18-year-old Australian 5,000-metre record. She clocked 1443 for the 5,000 metres, which is extraordinary breaking bonita willis's record which has stood for 18 years but then not only did she stop there she went on to break another australian record and that of the 1500 meters she just um, just over four minutes she ran for that in berlin so it's an olympic year she's booked her ticket remember the name jessica hull she's 24 years of age and she's going to be one of australia's next biggest things she was my sporting woman of the year the next big thing i you know i bowed a better judgment on this but i watching cam green just 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 be there yesterday 21 year old saw him in the national anthem as i said to jared he just towers above everyone else he's a man mountain and he looks the goods like he looks the goods with the ball and if greg chappell says that he's the next ricky ponting with the bat then look out He is australia's next biggest sporting star i think and could could play 100 test matches provided his body holds together so he's he is the next big thing, and he wins the Captain's Run award for that one. As I said, the mean tweet of the year award is tough. There's competition. Andrew Bogut sent some vicious tweets my way this year. The Collingwood fans, when I said that they were just making up the numbers ahead of that West Coast final, which they won, scathing, absolutely scathing. But I've given it to uh, former hockey player, Georgie Parker, who sent out a pretty cutting tweet. Um, straight to the point she said there isn't a person i'd want to have a beer with less than Kane corn so congratulations to you georgie you won that award for the mean tweet the brain fade award went to uh lee matthews was an honorable mention in this what did he give two votes in the northsmith to nathan broad and he meant Jaden short so that was a bit of a brain fade but hard to go past novak for defaulting for hitting a linesman at the us open it's a bit of a brain fade And the tool of the year has gone to old mate over out west, uh, that is Mark McGowan. Now, the COVID pandemic brought out the best in a lot of leaders, didn't it? Some of them handled it magnificently. I'm talking Pete Volandis from the NRL, Gillian McLaughlin thought was magnificent. Travis Auld for the work that he did with the fixture. I think most of the uh, premiers and our politicians did a pretty good job, but Mark McGowan took the cake when he... Refused to come to a National Cabinet meeting because he didn't want to be in the same room as South Australian Premier Stephen Marshall because he was worried about getting coronavirus when there hadn't been any coronavirus cases in South Australia for a couple of weeks and there were zero active cases in the state. He's taken the award for Tool of the Year. There you have it, 1300 736 736. Would love for you to have your say on who won your awards Um, We've got some callers on the line right now. Let's go to Dave. Who is your sporting man of the year, Dave?
4: It has to be uh, LeBron James. uh, Stamping is, I wouldn't say he's the greatest player of all time, but he's He's definitely, he was amazing. Just to put the team on his back in that weird season that they had over there in the bubble. So for me, he was the uh, sporting man of the year.
2: Yep, and hard to argue, so I more I'm, I'm went with an Australian-flavoured Dave, but internationally, hard to go past LeBron James for his fourth title, and it doesn't look like he's going to stop there. Uh, let's go to Pearley, who wants to speak about the cricket yesterday. Peerly, good morning to you, welcome.
5: Morning, Kane. how are you? I'm well.
2: That's the way, listen
6: mate, I love you, but just listening to you and Jared about Coley before, you're making out like Rahana, he's... He's killed the, the president of India or something like that. Maybe <laughs> Coley is, but it's cricket, mate. Run-outs happen. He hasn't he hasn't killed the man. I he's know. He's he's a good player, yeah, but everyone gets run out every now and then. It's not going to cost them the whole bloody series. It's just one incident, mate, and it's only Coley.
2: Okay, fair enough. Happy to take your point of view, Um but oh, he's like a sporting god over there, Coley, and just the the time of the game, three for he was getting some ascendancy. He's on his way to a hundred. We're not going to see him for the rest of the summer. It's his second last innings. It was a drama filled moment, and the yes, no, wait, sorry, just that that hurt, um, and it was something that I wasn't expecting. I, I did see that only the second time he's been run out in Test cricket, which was it was more of a shock than anything. And I wouldn't have liked to have been Rahane yesterday. one 736 736 Kane, Dusty's best with his fourth, not his third. Come on, big horse. Sorry, Andy and Frankston. Apologies to you, Dusty. Um, It was his fourth goal, not his third. Um, And he sent that message through, I think, about eight times. So got the point. Uh, Appreciate that. 0433-9811-16. Would love for you to get involved on the talk back line who won your awards for the year and more importantly what was the moment for you what was the sporting moment of 2020 it is our last show here on the captain's run this morning would love to take your calls on that and for you to get involved uh, in it it is 20 minutes to 10 o'clock if you're listening to us on 1629 SENSA in Adelaide it's 10 minutes past nine our number and there are lines available right now. I want to talk to you. Get yourself on the air. one 736 We'll take your calls on the other side of this. 15 minutes to 10 o'clock. Good morning to you on the second day of the first test at Adelaide Oval. I thought it was a great first day. It stumps the Indians two, 6 for 233, I, I should say. And the Aussies, I thought, were, were highly disciplined and terrific with the ball. And it sets up uh, an enthralling test match. Others thought it was boring. Um, have you say on that And if you've got some awards you'd like to hand out We've gone through ours this morning We'd love to get you on the air Let's head to Seacliff and speak to Phil Hey Phil, who is your Sporting Club of the Year? Welcome
1: Welcome back, thanks Kane Your local lacrosse club, Brian
2: Why so, Phil? Uh, 12 grades
7: 11 of them made grand finals And came home with 8
2: Oh, it's hard to top that So 8 premierships from the 12 grades Yep. Good man. And what's the participation like with a? Uh, it's not a marquee sport, is it?
1: No, it's not. But uh, could do a lot more players once a lot of kids come into it. They say, how long have you know, mm.
2: how long has this game been around? You know. <laughs> Good on you, Phil. Thanks for your thoughts. The Brighton Lacrosse Club getting uh, his nomination for the Sporting Club of the Year. Uh, let's go to Andrew, who's got a Tool of the Year for us. Morning to you, mate. Uh, good morning.
1: Uh, firstly, are um, uh, you going to raise the issue about uh, Dusty Martin and Buddy, Buddy Franklin meeting with uh, an underworld figure in New South Wales? Um, yeah, so I, just for those that
2: uh, aren't aware, Andrew, um, Dusty Martin and Buddy Franklin, this is a story in The Age that dropped at about, well, just before midnight last night. Now, Nick McKenzie is one of the best journalists in the country, has written this story. So uh, champion Dusty Martin and Buddy Franklin uh, met with some controversial figures or one of just trying to get the uh person's name but he's someone who has a bit of a shady past in terms of gambling mm-hmm. on sport and it would be interesting to the afl's integrity department i'm not sure whether it's a storm in a teacup yet um andrew mm-hmm. would probably need some more information regarding this yeah. probably not a, not a good yeah. look
1: and, and the other issue with your bias towards against wa i don't think uh, the wa premier's are tool of the year I think Scott Morrison is, but um, that's my, my view uh, for a number of reasons. Poor 30,000 Australians still overseas and he hasn't brought them home and he makes all sorts of excuses why he can't bring them home. I think it's a disgrace. And can go, I can go through a whole heap of things with him, but I will not get political. This is a sports station. But, yep. uh, but in, in sporting clubs, I think all Australian sporting clubs who are able to get on the par in any shape or form this year has been a fantastic effort and they should all be given acknowledgement and the award for that uh, particular area.
2: Hey, well said, well said, Andrew, and he, I probably broke my own rule never to speak uh, religion or politics on the radio. I, I broke that today, but just, just wasn't a, a fan of uh, Mike McGowan's work this year, but some people in Western Australia loved him for keeping the community safe. Marty's in Fullerton. Who's your tour of the year, Marty?
4: Good morning, Cain. Uh, you got my text, didn't you, this morning?
2: Uh, I've got a couple of them, I think, yeah, on, on SENSA. Yeah, no
4: worries. No. Yeah, well, who's replacing you on that SA on Monday?
2: I think we'll take the uh, gurus from um, Melbourne, whoever's in the hot seat, be Jack Heverin oh, and Nicky Del Sando, I think.
4: Oh, that's great. Anyway, my tool of the year is um, Stengel.
2: Mm, yeah, Tyson Stengel from the Adelaide Football Club. hasn't been a Hasn't been a great year for the Crows. It's been a... A shocking 12 months on and off the field. There is no doubt about that. A few texts coming through. Geez, it took a lot to knock you off as tool of the year, said an anonymous um, text. Uh, Worst feelings in sport. Get a Kane missing a goal from the goal square in the last seconds of the game for my team to win their first game in three years. Under 16, and I can still remember it. And I'm 60. Merry Christmas. Tool of the Year, Novak Djokovic, ignoring health experts' advice and organising a super spreader tennis tournament in Europe. Yep, he had a poor year as well. Best sporting moment was that golf shot that skipped off the water for a hole-in-one, says Ash in And Who, um, was it Lamb, was it? it was unbel- that was the most skillful thing I've seen ever, I think ever on a in a sporting arena there's a 16th hole of the masters uh, skimmed it off the water for a hole in one on a par three it is extraordinary if you haven't seen it looked it up that was that was an unbelievable moment i hey, got a lot of things i want to talk about this morning we'll get to that and get your thoughts on it 1-300-736-736 ricky ponting was in fine form yesterday for channel 7 his special comments and his ability to predict what might happen was uncanny yesterday. The best special comments or commentators in world sport might get your thoughts on that. And we'll hear from Ricky on the other side of this. It's 10 minutes to 10 o'clock, and you are listening to the captain's run right here on your home of sport. Don't forget the, the magnificent SEN coverage of the first test in Adelaide gets underway with the pre match from one o'clock. And you can hear that on 1116 sa and right across the country, and also on the SEN app, which is terrific. The new and improved app you can download that and get involved there. We'll take your calls, more of them, on the other side of this. He does
8: play. He does get his head in the line of the ball and plays under his eyes, but he doesn't commit his front foot to the line of the ball a lot. Quite often leaves a big gap between bat and pad, and that's where the Aussies will target. Stark will try and swing one back through the gate.
5: Yeah, he's done that,
6: and he's cleaned him up with the second ball of the Test Series.
2: a fair piece of commentary from Channel 7's Ricky Ponting. That audio, thanks to them, of course. It did get me thinking about, you know, he's, he's made a name for himself. as a terrific, special comments man across the summer, Ricky Ponting. And, and that was a, a pretty good insight into what the Australian fast bowlers will be trying to do. And occasionally, you pull it off, and he did yesterday. Saw some tweets on the back of it saying, can Ricky please predict the Powerball numbers for us? It'd be handy. I there was some comedy coming through to that. But... The best special comments people or commentators in the world one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Who are your favourites? It is a polarising topic. Whenever you ask it, some of my favourite AFL special commentators, other people don't like, and it's a matter of opinion clearly. But uh, Ricky is one of the better ones. I, the highest paid one would be. Tony Romo, I would imagine, um, former Dallas quarterback, now uh, calls special comments for the NFL. He gets paid $17 million per year. And for those of you, I know there's a lot of you that are, are big fans of the NFL, and you can hear that coverage on SEN, of course, weekly. He often predicts what is going to happen before it happens. And I think that's what makes the best ones, giving you that insight into what's going through the players' minds at the time and what the plans would be. And that insight is is something that you don't often get. And it was great to to hear that um, yesterday. Uh, but this, we get a few on the lines of this on the text yeah. machine, the temper text is 0433981116. Have a listen to the audio between Punter and our very own Pete Lawler last night. Got a little bit of argy-bargy between the two of them. Made for interesting yet awkward commentary, says Mark. I did notice... Our very own Pete Lawler. Um, you'll hear him on SEN today. He had a brief stint on Channel Seven last night, but it was a bit testy. I think it was in relation to um, each person's opinion of the inclusion of to Joe, Joe Joe Burns into the test team, and they disagreed on that. It was definitely, it was definitely um, a little bit testy. Um, Kevin Harlan, the NBA commentator on ESPN, is unbelievable. Says Jaden. Two bowls later, Punter talked about Pajara nicking outside off early in the innings. That came next ball, says Paul. A lot of people agreeing that uh, Ricky Ponting is extremely good at his craft. I'm a Shane Warne guy. I I like Shane Warne. I think um, he has a bit of, he gives a little bit of character, a little bit of color to his commentary, but also exceptional at predicting potentially what is going to happen and gives you a great insight into Pretty monotonous task of bowling, but what's going through the mind of a bowler in terms of setting up the batsmen, what they are trying to do, and give us an insight into that. So I'm a Shane Warne guy, and um, uh, against popular opinion, I didn't mind the hat that he wore yesterday as well. Um, Saw him rocking a, a very interesting cap yesterday. Do you have a Christmas bake? It's our last show. Is there someone? Is there something? Is there a sporting code that you would like to give a bake to, um, to finish the year. I've got a quick one. I just want to bake the Crows fans because I get a lot of feedback that I'm a bit harsh on the Crows and too negative about the Crows and I need to find a positive. I'm baking the Crows fans this morning. What positives do you want me to find out of Adelaide? Three games, wooden spoon, coach gone, players gone, left, right and centre. I want the Crows to do well. Mark my words. It's good for our radio show. But when they don't, you call it out. So for the Crows fans that get a little bit sensitive, I'm baking you this morning. There hasn't been that many positives to find out of the last couple of years. That is my little bake. What is yours? one 736 736 Plenty more coming up on the other side of this. Yeah, it's been a big first hour. We spoke to Jared Whateley off the top to wrap up the first day of the first test in Adelaide, which we both enjoyed, but a lot of people on the text saying that it was uh, highly boring and not a lot happened and not what you want to see. Um, I disagree on that, but happy for you to have your say. You took a lot of calls on your sporting awards for the year and who you are giving them to, who is your sporting male and sporting female of the year. More so focusing on Australia, but if you've got someone international, that's fine. And I asked you for your um, your Christmas bake, your last opportunity to get something off your chest. George says, I want to bake Andy Ma for not having the Carlton Show podcast in 2020. Blame it on COVID. Um, and the Lawler and Ponting disagreement, thank you for clearing this up, Joe, was uh, the disagreement about Tim Payne not calling for a DRS review for the um caught behind catch off Cole, it just did nick the glove um maddie wade was keen to go upstairs no interest from nathan lyon the bowler no interest from tim payne behind the stump so they had a bit of a disagreement with that one 1300 736 736 is the number would love to get you on the air this morning as andrew has done uh, morning to you andrew what do you want to chat about this morning
6: Mate, I'd uh, like to
4: nominate Daisy Pearce. Her special comments on uh, Channel Seven's coverage are, are uh, out of this world. Sometimes women get a bad knock, but mate, she's uh, she's brilliant for the coverage on Channel Seven. So hats off to her.
2: No doubt about it. Uh, one of the you know the brightest stars, Daisy Pearce, and and does make the viewing experience better, which is what you're there to do. Clearly, I. I'm a, I'm a Jimmy Bartell fan. I think he gives terrific insights as well. Um, but let us know on the back of Ricky Ponting and his predictions yesterday, uh, who are your favourite special commentators in the world? Um, and this one from Ash says, Warnie predicted something due to happen this over. The last ball was a hit hook shot, just cleared Hazelwood on the backward square boundary, metres away from a similar punter prediction. There's a reason those guys dominated international cricket for five years. Uh, as we change gears to the international world of tennis, and finally we have a date, Touchwood for the Australian Open. It is three weeks um, later than when it would usually be scheduled. February the eighth. It's going to run from the eighth to the twenty-first, and there are all sorts of restrictions in place. Who better to talk about it? our very own SEN expert, he comes to us thanks to Sunblessed Sunscreens, a sunscreen designed specifically for cricket, golf, tennis and lawn bowls. Uh, sunblessedsunscreens.com.au. Brett Phillips is his name. BP, good morning. Kane, good morning. There's plenty happening. Oh, there is plenty happening. Um, the uh, New South Wales is in, in chaos. We might touch on that in a moment. But um, we have a date for the Australian Open and it is where we thought where you thought it would land eventually.
6: Yeah, look, certainly it's interesting, Kane. A little bit more information has come to me since uh, the ATP put out uh, their release around 24 hours ago, announcing their first uh, seven weeks of the season. We expect the WTA calendar probably out later today. We're still waiting for Tennis Australia officially uh, to announce uh, everything, but um, there's probably a reason that uh, they haven't just yet. And uh, the ATP... To, they're an interesting organisation, and when you've got so many governing bodies coming together trying to collaborate here, uh, they're like uh, the, the rebels in the corner. Uh, they can go a little bit rogue. Their communication is interesting. Um, certainly, from what I understand, they may have jumped the gun a little early yesterday in announcing that uh, Doha would host the men's qualifying. It's my understanding, having learnt a little bit more information in the last uh, few hours, is that that contract wasn't officially signed off till. Uh, uh, later last night. But the ATP went with the release yesterday, which has obviously just delayed Tennis Australia officially announcing everything. So we may hear something from uh, TA a little bit more formally uh, today. But, yeah, look, certainly, you know, we knew the Australian Open was an absolute lock for the eighth. Uh, the, the week leading up is, is really interesting, uh, that um, week of sort of January 31 to about Feb 6. Um, you know, a couple of people i have spoken to and I still can't logistically work out how this is all going to happen is that two WTA events plus an ATP Cup and plus the relocated Adelaide International and one more men's 250 event are all going to be staged somehow at Melbourne Park. I can't quite work out how that's going to happen, but a couple of people that I've checked in with this morning... Uh, have have stated that, well, there's been no other real venues seriously mentioned uh, outside of Melbourne Park. So that detail still needs to be confirmed. Uh, The ATP Cup, it is still good that it's on the calendar. Kane, it was a great success last year. It'll be scaled back to 12 teams. I think, and they're just fine-tuning the details on it, but it'll work very similar to last year based on the singles rankings of players, which then determine the nations that play. But... Yeah, there's, uh, gee, it, it's been a, a huge time trying to put a list logistically together.
2: So I get a little bit naive when it comes to qualifying events and, and how big it is. You know, you, you, you see the, the main draw and, yep. and the commentators will say, oh, such and such is a qualifier from, you know, from, from wherever country they're from. And you say, oh, OK, qualified. Mm. But the process <laughs> to qualify for a Grand Slam is, is much bigger than we probably assume. Am I right in saying that? And it's hugely important.
6: I mean, we saw the US Open last year have no qualifying events. So then they worked out a financial compensation package for the players. Craig Tiley and the Australian Open uh, really dug their heels in here. Said, we've got to make this work. It's not going to be able to work in Australia with the borders and the timing of quarantining. So we're going to have to think outside the square. So they had to obviously liaise with a couple of big federations there in the Middle East, in Dubai for the women, Doha for the men, to work out a facility, work out logistically, getting everyone there. And it's a huge event for players to be able to qualify for a Grand Slam. Now, we know the prize money's already gone up. If you do qualify for that first round of 100000 my understanding is that the qualifying prize money will also be increased in a really tough 12 months where the players haven't had their same uh, earning opportunities. So it's huge. Uh this is why the quallies is so important. We're talking about another hundred and twenty eight players on either side. On top of the one twenty eight they're already uh gonna be um well the top sort of one hundred and eight before you include the wild cards and the qualities are already in the main draw. So you know there's a lot of players, uh this is their their goal moment. Uh they they get an opportunity to get into a far more prestigious event and earn some uh, prize money. So that's why I think every effort has been made here to get the qualifying ticked off uh, for mm. the Australian Open in, a, in unprecedented times where we hold it overseas, which will be uh, yeah, quite strange.
2: Fascinating. Now, stars make sport clearly, and they put uh, eyeballs on TV screens and, and bums on seats. The, the biggest, and, and it's no different in the tennis world. So, you know, Federer, Williams, Nadal, all the big names that we come to know. Federer. Reading between the lines from what he said this week, I think he is unlikely. But the biggest stars, do you think most of them will make their way out here?
6: Yeah, no doubt. Yep, yeah, they'll they'll be here. I mean, it's it's a grand slam. Uh, they're eager to play. Uh, You've you just got to suck up the strict quarantining. Yes, it's it's totally different from what they've experienced. Having resumed back on the tour in August, it's much stricter in Melbourne. Uh, the amount of uh you know uh, positive the negative tests you've you know got to you know, go through and et cetera and your, your movement and, and everything else but it's you know it's it, it's for a small period in a very long uh tennis year and who knows what the world is going to look like when they depart australia and um you know the, those protocols and restrictions so I, I think so but i i agree i think when there's a bit of Smoke this fire here with the Federer situation. He's not probably a he's not a good liar, Roger. I think he he just tells you straight whether he's talking at a sports awards night or uh, an interview of sorts. Um, He knows his body better than anyone else, and yeah, if he's not feeling cherry ripe at the age of 39, you don't want to be coming into a Grand Slam. Uh, best of five set tennis and you know there's this bigger fish to fry as much as we think the Australian Open is huge Mm. on a world scale there's Wimbledon he wants to you know really give it his best shot maybe one more time there's an Olympic Games uh, that he'd love to you know medal at and 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 maybe do well at the back end of the year so uh, you'll just continue to watch that space it seems like the timeline is going to be pretty tight.
2: Who knows what shape Nick Kyrgios will turn up in Do do you have any idea? Yeah well, we've seen plenty of Nick, you know, uh, on social media, yeah. and
6: you know, I think I think this year um, he's, uh, you know, he's done a pretty good job. Kane, uh, give him his credit where it's due, and you know, there's times where he's totally frustrated me uh, from a pure athlete point of view. But I think we've got to know Nick a bit more and and just what he's about, what he stands for, and he's never going to satisfy everyone who just thinks all our athletes should be absolute super competitors and be the best versions. Uh, it's probably the ones with that natural talent that don't get there that clearly frustrate us the most. Um, but, you know, he, he still likes the game and still uh, knows that it's in this stage of his life, it's still a great opportunity to set up the rest of his life. I mean, he doesn't have the ambition to necessarily win grand slams and beat the absolute top echelon of the sport. But his natural talent, if his body's in good nick, says that he probably wins more often than he does uh, than he doesn't mm. when he actually plays but we've hardly mm. seen him play so mm.
2: we just don't really know, uh, you know what sort of nick he's going to c- come back in so to speak and Ash Barty of course will be a certain starter you think as well
6: yeah yeah she's just uh, training up there in Brisbane with uh, Craig Tyser, no fan fear that she absolutely loves it um, minimum media commitments, uh, just sort of surprising school kids and clubs and popping in here and there doing her little bits and pieces that she has to do, but I think she's getting into a nice rhythm with Craig now, um, doing the necessary lead-up work. And I think there's going to be, from what I understand, this hasn't been totally confirmed, there is going to be an Australian tournament uh, around about the 28th of December. Now, it was slated for Sydney, but just with the current COVID situation that maybe moved to Brisbane but really replacing the Australian Open wildcard playoffs that would be open from an Ash party all the way down to the lowest ranked Aussie to try and um, get some prize money and get some good matches under their belt in late December so whether the likes of an Ash competes in something like that we'll have to wait and see I mean she'd be doing a lot of match sim but there's nothing like actually getting out there and competing as we know
2: and before we let you go, we know 30,000 at Boxing Day for that test. Well, what's the latest on crowds at the Australian Open? Well, I
6: think TA will announce all this together in terms of ticketing um, restrictions, crowd capacity. So that could be today, hopefully uh, by uh, by Monday. Now that the calendar is sort of starting to be set. Uh, you know, the, I think we're probably going to be somewhere in that 25 to 50. If we get to 50, I think that'd be a great result uh, for the Australian Open. But there'd be a lot of nervous people as well, because it's a big tennis family that's going to be at Melbourne Park, and you throw in a big crowd on top of that. Uh, there'd be people wanting to take a more cautious view and, and, and don't get too excited just because we've had so many good days here in Melbourne. So, um, you know, I think it'll be somewhere 25 to that 50% capacity, I think.
2: Good on you, BP. Thanks for the update, mate. Appreciate it. Good stuff. I'll
6: be in after you, right after 12. So I'll have a bit more on the tennis and the cricket and everything else.
2: Excellent. Make sure you tune in and BP will take your calls as well. 1300 736 736. Big summer coming up for him and it's going to be busy in Melbourne. The, the AFL preseason schedule was announced yesterday. 18 games across 18 different venues and will overlap with the Australian Open as well. So there's going to be plenty on. Uh, Brett Phillips with the latest update there. Big show still to come. We are going to speak to the national under-18s coach, Tarkin Lockyer. The next generation of names have been released. We're going to find the next star. I'll I'll notice more and more people are captivated by the youngsters coming through. Record ratings for the draft this year and the AFL doing a good job at building the profile um, before they even get to an AFL club and giving you an insight there. So Tarkin with the latest Uh, He's the coach. Uh, Houston writer Akib Ghazi on the NBA. We're going to go all the way to Houston. A lot of drama in regards to one of the NBA's biggest stars. That is James Harden. Doesn't appear he wants to play at Houston anymore. We'll get the latest on that. Tom Morris, the AFL fixture, set to be released within days. Some saying as early as today. So we'll get the latest with uh, one of the best news breakers in the business. Darren Cale on the Australian Open. Brad Haddon, and a big last edition of Chad's Brothers quiz. Most importantly, your calls, though, one 736 736 21 minutes after 10 o'clock, we are asking for the worst feelings in sport on the back of Rahane, running out his skipper Virat Kohler yesterday in an important stage of the first day of the first test. Also asking for your best and favourite special commentators uh, on the back of uh, Ricky Ponting predicting... Some pretty uncanny things yesterday on the Channel 7 coverage. We'll get to your comments on the text and on Twitter very, very shortly. But the AFL yesterday announced the next group of the AFL and AFLW talent to join the NAB AFL Academy program for 2021. These are the next generation of stars, most of which, and I'll ask our next guest the percentage of which will be drafted. Um, The coach of the National Academy is Tarkin Lockyer. He joins us. Uh, Tarkin, thanks so much for your time. G'day Cain,
8: how are you?
2: I'm good. It's a it's a revamped program. It's, it's streamlined. It's 21 players, which is less than it has been in previous years. Um, take us through the yeah. process of selecting these 21 um, young men that are included in your program.
8: Yeah, so it is a, a more of a, as you said, a streamlined sort of squad that we're going to go with early next year. Um, the reasoning sort of behind that is obviously with the, the restrictions this year and particularly here in Victoria where... These, these talented young athletes weren't able to, to display what they sort of do best because there was no footy played. Um, what, it, what it does, it gives us the ability to add add to players um, as we move sort of through the calendar next year. So, um, you know, there'll be players that will come on and develop and, and reward really good form, um, you know, at, at, like I said, as we move through the calendar. So although this year was incredibly frustrating, Um, what we do have is the ability to, um, to add to this squad, um, as, as we go through. So it's really exciting. Um, you know, when you announce squads like this and, and to work alongside the, the the best young talent in the country, um, you know, we're really, really fortunate to, um, to be a part of it.
2: Yeah, I want to speak to you about that. In a second, it is is so exciting. I think the interest as well, as we saw with the draft and the ratings and everyone showing a real keen interest prior to these guys arriving on an AFL list is certainly increasing. How did you land with the 21? I did read that you sat down with a number of AFL recruiters.
8: Yeah, so we, we form a, a selection panel that com- comprises um, you know national talent staff, myself, um, Kevin Sheen, the, the talent ambassador for the AFL, Um, plus a selection of, of staff from AFL clubs. So we get plenty of, um, information. Um, you know, we, we also speak to the, the state programs and the, and the clubs as well. So, um, you know, we find out a lot of information about the guy and then, um, forming different opinions and, and then landing on, um, you know, the number of 21 that we have. Um, we feel we've got a really good mix. Um, you know, we've got really good representation from all across all across Australia, um, you know, every, every state um, and territory is represented in the, in the squad. So we're really proud that we're able to, um, to provide these opportunities all across the country, which is, which is great.
2: Part of it clearly is what they do on the field, but uh, I'm blown away when, you, when there's a draft on and you're interviewing these 18-year-olds and how impressive they are already and how prepared they are. So you've got the on-field component of it, but how important is preparing them for life as an AFL footballer off the field?
8: Yeah look we we certainly deliver um a holistic sort of program so taking into account well-being taking into account all the off-field sort of strategies and like you said you know there's a lot of media scrutiny these days and um really it's about getting the getting the kids best prepared for the next phase of their of their life and we all hope that that is AFL footy and AFLW um, football but the reality is that for some that that may not happen um but we want them as best prepared as we can to come in and and deal with um, whatever is sort of thrown their way, so it is inc- incredibly complex, and we know the the strain um, and the pressure that's associated with elite sport. Um, but the the team, the team of um, of staff that works alongside of these players do an incredible job to get them prepared, and um, we feel that we give these players um, every opportunity to to go out there and and perform at their best. And I think we've seen that over the last couple of years with the the young players that have come into the AFL programs, um, they're really they're not just playing games, but they're really impacting, which is which is great to see.
2: Former Collingwood star, Tarkin Lockyer, and now National Academy Manager and coach, the newest batch of inductees, best 17-year-olds in the country have been announced, and he's in control of that. A question without notice, but I'm, I'm sure you're aware. What's your strike rate of getting these kids drafted? Is there a percentage that you can give to us? <laughs> uh, not, it's, it's not quite 100%. Um, there's never There hasn't
8: been a... a Group of academy players that have come through, so there's no intake of players that have all gotten drafted. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to, to buck that trend a little bit. Uh, would would be really nice, but um, look, and that's why we say, you know, we we do prepare them for for whatever it takes. Uh, so for for whatever their their next um, aspect of their football journey is, and like we say, we would love that we would love it to be AFL or AFLW, but um, the stats say that for some that that's not going to happen. So, really, um, you know, how do we support these these, um, these young players. That's why the, the off-field component of what we do is so important and so critical. Um, and we definitely manage manage expectations on that. So, um, you know, we like to keep the kids grounded, um, you know, because we're realistic about the opportunities that lay in front of them.
2: Uh, you'll meet for the first time in January with your induction program. Um what sort of physical um, challenges are they put through there There'll be all the testing, similar um, challenges like there is at the draft test. I guess your, your speed, your agility, your endurance will all be yep. measured.
8: Yeah, there's a, um, we do a lot of testing throughout the, the early part of next year. Um, we'll do a, a an induction for sort of program with the players where we get their families in and, and just sort of outline the expectations, um, outline the standards and what, what we expect from the players, but also what they can expect back from us as well. So um, we want to work, you know, alongside. We're not just we're not just one aspect of their their footy life and their and their program. We have to fit in with everyone else as well. So it's actually about how do we bring everyone along the journey together? Um, because at the end of the day, we all want what's best for the for the kids. So um, yeah, it's really exciting opportunity. We do have to remain a little bit flexible. Obviously, with a, mm-hmm. still with a, um with what's going on with COVID around the country, and you mm-hmm. see what's happened in Sydney in the last short period of time. So. Um, Look, we'll support the players as best we can and um, keep attacking sort of any challenge that's put in front of us.
2: Um, In terms of this year's draft, what what were your takeaways from it and did it run uh, as you would have expected it to have run?
8: Yeah, look, I think, Kane, it's um, always you sort of walk away from any draft and you're really happy to, to see the talent that's been put onto an AFL list. Uh, the difficult thing, obviously, this year is that here in Victoria, there was very limited exposure to, to what the kids were able to produce on the on the field. So, pleasingly, in, in SA and, and WA in particular, they were able to show a really good body of form through playing pretty much full seasons of footy. Uh, the unfortunate thing for the Victorian kids is you know, they didn't get that chance. So, with the change to the, the rules around NAB League, now going to a, an under-19s competition, we feel like we're supporting those players so they still have an opportunity um, to show their best. And we really see that that's an, another pathway for the players to to explore to get themselves onto an AFL list. So, yeah, time will tell. Time will tell. We've got really, mm. really big hopes and dreams for all players. And, and I think, as you said before, there's there's great interest in the draft and, and the media coverage is, is excellent. You know, um, the talent guys do a great job of promoting the, the athletes and the kids so everyone's well aware of, of who they are and, and, and the way they play. Um, but the truth will be in the pudding. Now the players have got to get to work, and they've got to um, they've got to go and do it.
2: On the surface, who got a steal? Who's a club that, that got a <laughs> player and that's going to do pretty well out of it?
8: Well, I reckon if you talk to every recruiting recruiting officer in the country, <laughs> they reckon they've got a steal. <laughs> Can't believe you got to that to that number. I um, oh, look, there there is plenty, and certainly there's been a little bit made um, publicly about you know the academy programs uh, in the Northern Academies and the the NGA and that sort of stuff, but. When you, see, when you see players that have got connections with their club before, before the draft and they land at that destination, that's always a really good thing to see. Um, you love seeing the father-son prospects come through and um, you just hope that for, for the attention that a lot of the, the kids have had, um, that they, they are able to fulfil um, those opportunities. So just excited to see everyone get an opportunity really.
2: Well, Tarkin, hopefully the, the year looks a little bit smoother for you and, and your players and <laughs> you felt for the, the guys who just couldn't play like in such an important year. And some of these kids that were drafted haven't played a game since March, which must have drove them insane. So I hope it looks mm. a bit more normal for you. Have a great Christmas, mate. Appreciate your time this morning.
8: No worries. Thanks, Kane.
2: Tarkin Lockyer, the head of the AFL's academy, the elite players. There's a Dacos in there. There's a Burgoyne in there as part of the um, 21 names that, Pretty much 90-odd percent. I wasn't able to squeeze a percentage out of him, but about 90% of these kids will be drafted. They, they don't miss. I'm um, looking forward to the build-up to next year's draft. Now, Channel 7 reporting, I think via Tom Brown on Twitter, that the AFL clubs have been told that the fixture from rounds one to six will be released to them on Monday. We know that the uh, preseason fixture was released yesterday. The clubs have to wait until Monday to get at least rounds one to six. We know it's floating this year after round six, but locked in from one to six. That will be released as of Monday and budgeting as it sits right now, certainly in other parts of the country other than Sydney for crowds upwards of 50%, which will be a welcome addition. 29 minutes to 11 o'clock, plenty coming up on the captain's run. Might take your calls on the other side of this. It's 1300 736 736. So much happening on the eve of the NBA season starting in Australia. That's the 23rd of December. And one of the biggest stars is James Harden. And there's a bit of chaos. So we thought we'd go to one of the Rockets NBA writers. His name is uh, Akib Gazi. We'll get him on very, very shortly as we try and bring him up. But gee whiz, Uh, Russell Westbrook has left Houston. John Wall has arrived at Houston. And James Harden's been... At strip clubs, we'll get to him very, very shortly. In the meantime, let's take some of your calls. One 736 You can also send us a temper text. Lots coming through. Tell you right now, Kane, feel good. Phil Gould is not the special commentator of the year, says Pete in Clyde North. He he rubbed a lot of Victorians up the wrong way with his commentary commentary around melbourne storm didn't he uh, hosting the australian open is too big of a risk for the victorian government and it should not go ahead we can see from the latest sydney cluster a small error can escalate quickly imagine 400 players plus their support staff um kano james harden tool of the year cracking the you know what's because he wants to get traded get rid of him says dogger And Kano Ponting routinely predicts plays on the BBL commentary. It's no coincidence that the Australian side won so many games under his leadership. I think we have a key busy ready now. Guru's back in the studio. I can see his name up on the screen. It's flashing in yellow. He is ready to go. Houston Rockets rider. He's also a podcaster for Clutch City covering the Houston Rockets. Kib, thank you so much for your time. Hey how you doing? What's been the response to the unfolding situation regarding one of the NBA's biggest stars James Harden over there?
9: Well right now James he's uh, obviously he's requested trade uh, right now the Rockets are not willing to trade James Harden unless it's for you know young stars young talent um, so right now they're kind of holding off on uh, trading him until they've gotten good offers.
2: What's a good offer? Who are they prepared to trade him for, and what would his likely destination be? So
9: one uh, likely destination is the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, and they've got you know Ben Simmons, who uh, I'm sure Australia Australians they know uh, a lot about him, but they they've wanted uh, multiple draft picks, first round picks, a couple of pick swaps, and then of course the young star um, Ben Simmons. So right now they haven't been able to. Um, Get any deals close to that, and a couple of other destinations are the uh, Brooklyn Mets and then also Milwaukee Bucks, and also the Miami Heat. Those are some of his destinations, and uh, right now there there aren't any teams that are close to a deal.
2: Akib, is is James Harden well liked in Houston? He has been
9: over the last eight years. You know, we've taken him in as our own, and he's definitely. Been one of the favorite players, and then also in Houston franchise history. So, right now, it's the the fans are not too much liking all uh, all that drama, and with, of course, with two years left on his contract, um, they're not very happy that he's requested a trade. Um, you know, the Rockets are doing as much as they can to build the team around him. They got great talent in Demarcus Cousins, John Wall. They just added Christian Wood for three years, 42 mil, over, over the offseason. And, you know, Rockets fans can see that the Houston Rockets are doing everything that they can to keep James Harden happy. But for whatever reason, that uh, relationship has gone south
2: the report that i read yesterday from one of the insiders at the rockets says he's basically just got too much power the the meetings the team meetings don't start until he says they start the plane waits for him it doesn't sound like his professionalism has been to the level that it should be for a for an athlete that earns you know upwards of 40 million dollars a year
9: yeah that's that's true and um, with james harden of course you know the superstar players are always going to get treated as such, but the reports coming out saying that, like you had said, that you know he's late for team, for uh, team meetings, he's late for watching film, um, he's late to the plane. You know those don't, those aren't a good look on James Harden, and um, a lot of these reports, of course, they are, they are true, and um, it's just not a great look for James Harden overall.
2: Uh, John Wall, as you mentioned, has arrived at the Rockets. Now a lot of questions over the contract that he signed at Washington. He's out. Westbrook's gone. There. Does he? Does he have some good basketball left in him, John Wall? Because he is paid in the top bracket.
9: Yeah, definitely. Uh, over the last three preseason games, we've seen, you know, how well he can play. His quickness is is there. That's back. Um. And we just we're just gonna have to see if he stays healthy. It's not easy coming off an Achilles tear injury. Obviously, that's mm. um, that's tough. But he sat out for well over two years, and I think he's gotten the rehab that he's needed. And I and just from the eye test, you know, he's looked very healthy. He's looked very quick on his feet. So, um, you know, hopefully, he stays healthy. And he's been he's looked fantastic so far.
2: Giannis Anittacumpo signed I think the richest NBA deal in history, a max deal, two hundred and twenty eight million dollars to stay with Milwaukee. Did that surprise you or is that what you thought he would do?
9: That did surprise me a little bit. I thought he would stay for another year at least. Um, but that you know, that's actually that did surprise me and uh I'm I'm actually happy with that. You know, as much as a Rockets fan that I am and as much as a you know, a hardened supporter that I've been um, it's actually good to see a guy like Giannis, you know, take on get on you know get paid for that, and also stay with a small market team such as Milwaukee. So um, it, it it did surprise me, but at the same time, you know, it's uh, it, it's a shocker too for sure um, because he's someone that he does want to win. So it's it's nice to see that he stayed with a small market team.
2: Well, mate, before we let you go, we're five days out from the season starting. Uh, the Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers will all be in calculations to win the title. Uh, who do you like?
9: Right now, I got to go with the Lakers. You know, they, they added some good pieces over the offseason. And, um, you know, I, I really like them out of all teams for sure. You know, they are the reigning champions. And I'm um, looking at the Western Conference, I didn't see too many teams get, you know, that much better. You know, the Lakers, they added a couple of pieces. They added a uh, Montrezl Hill, a Holiday, holidays, guys like that. That could definitely help them, you know, win another title. And I really don't see another team beating them. I could see the Milwaukee Bucks, if they can make it to the finals, definitely there will be a challenge. But as of right now, I see the Lakers winning it all.
2: Wow, that would be a massive story. Kib, thank you so much for your time. Have a great Christmas. We appreciate your insights and taking us inside the Houston Rockets in a bit of time of turmoil.
9: Thanks. Happy holidays.
2: Appreciate it. Uh, That is the Houston Rockets writer, Akib Ghazi on the NBA. He likes the Lakers, which would be an extraordinary story with LeBron winning his fifth. Um, Where would that put him? Well... It'd put him right amongst it, wouldn't it, if he's not already. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number, and we can get you on the air. We've got lines available right now. You can have your say on the first day of the first test in Adelaide. Um, you can also talk about some of the better special commentators in the world, and I want to ask you what's on. As a fan of the AFL, the clubs have been told that the round one to six fixture will be released to them on Monday. As a fan, what's on your wish list when you look at um, a schedule what time of the day do you like seeing your team play uh, what venues do you hope that they get more of than than others and what's on your wish list from a schedule point of view one three seven one three hundred i should say seven three six seven three six been a big morning let's go to reg what was your headline of the year reg welcome hey good day, mate. how are you going i'm well uh, well
4: what's the headline for next year
7: right I'm oh, a bit of a prophet, mate, but uh, it, all, it all sends me in Collingwood. that the buck stops with Eddie. I know it's an old-fashioned saying,
4: but Eddie finishes up at the end of next year, and Buckley's contract finishes up at the end of next year, and I think Collingwood are due for a monster
6: clean-out
2: fascinating reg i reckon you've nailed it it's going to be if if we are fast forwarding to what is going to dominate the headlines next year collingwood's probably one isn't it with with as you mentioned bucks's contract coinciding with eddie leaving with the fallout from the playing group um uh gary pert left also so a lot of time of change at the collingwood footy club and no doubt they will dominate the headlines next year it's a really good point you make have a great christmas buddy appreciate your call this morning it's got a Mooney Ponds and speak to Ian. Ian, what was your worst call of the year?
1: Uh, the worst call of the year was made earlier this year, came after about rounds four or five. And I think it was somebody on your station who said that um, letting uh, Sam Jordan go to, um, go to the Giants and keeping Riley O'Brien on, who was no more than a backup ruckman. Well, funnily enough, before, at the end of the season, Sam Jordan has retired. And uh, Riley O'Brien wins the uh, spin effort. Adelaide, I reckon that's got to be the worst call of
2: the year. I think you're referring to Sam Jacobs, not Sam Jordan, um, going to uh, the Giants and Riley O'Brien being the headline act at Adelaide. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not sure who said that, Ian, but a thank you for your thoughts. Wouldn't have been my worst call of the year. I think there's been a few others other than that, but appreciate Your thoughts this morning. Big show coming up. Tommy Morris will join us. Massive cricket fan, Tom Morris. So we'll find out whether he enjoyed the cricket uh, yesterday. And the pressure on Joe Burns as he walks out to bat today, massive. I don't have a lot of confidence in Joe Burns making a score today. Hopefully he can graft out a hard-fought 30, take some shine off that pink ball and set it up for Labashane and Smith and Maddie Wade also. So huge headlines today. And, and hopefully the Aussies can get these last three or four wickets pretty quickly. Darren Cale is the premier tennis coach in the world. He will join us. Uh, his pupil, Simona Halep, uh, will she come out to the Australian Open? We'll ask him. And what restrictions will be on the players when they are in quarantine, when they come out for the Australian Open? Brad Haddon, um, part of the SEN commentary team. And the last edition for 2020 of Chad's Brothers Quiz, five questions great prize to give away but on the other side of this we have a 10 minute window to take your calls i want your sporting man and woman of the year give us your thoughts on that and who's the next biggest thing from a sporting um, standpoint who who is the next biggest star that we have on our shores right now can be any sport we'd love your thoughts on that 1-300-736-736 uh, we just spoke to our man Akeeb from uh, Houston, in relation to James Harden. We're well, breaking story right now, according to Shams Sharano from the Athletic, says that uh, the Sixers have made Ben Simmons available in some packages with the Rockets for James Harden. Talks at this stage are in their early stages, it appears, but that would be that would be a massive story. Time now to take some of your calls. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Johnny's on the line. Morning to you, John. Morning. You want to speak about the Blues? Yeah, just,
4: yeah, just uh, haven't heard any commentary around, uh, I think it was pick 38, Jack Carroll. Like he went from 14, maybe,
0: and we got him at 38, but haven't
4: heard don't any know, commentary. Don't, yeah,
2: don't, don't know a lot about him, Johnny. Can you can you give us some insight into what sort of player he is?
1: No, absolutely no. Uh, I was hoping you could. I just wondered why he slipped so far.
2: Yeah, not sure. Not sure. Um, Johnny, these are the way things clubs see it. I, I haven't seen the young kid play. I haven't seen um, clearly a lot of the kids play in the draft, other than a few of those in the sand full. Um He was picked 41 to the Blues, was Jack Carroll. But if you know anything about him, Blues fans, um, let us know your thoughts on that. Unfortunately, I can't shed any light on to what sort of player you have got. But appreciate your call there, John. Uh, let's go to Aaron. I did ask you who the next biggest sporting star would be. And. You've got a nomination for us, Aaron.
5: Good day, Kane. Love your work, mate. Um, Thank you. My take is that Zion Williamson, obviously number one draft pick. There was a lot of hype coming out of college, but my take is that Zion Williamson is going to absolutely dominate the NBA next year. I think it was downplayed just how well his start to his career was, and I think it's sort of in the Western Conference. The New Orleans Pelicans are going to absolutely dominate. Obviously. Probably won't win it. But I think Zion Williamson is in for a huge year.
2: Yeah, I I was watching him on League Pass the other day. He's putting up massive numbers. And Brandon Ingram as well, just fresh off a, a max contract I think he signed. So those two dominant as well. So you think the Pelicans can go a fair way, Aaron?
5: I think they'll be high Western Conference seeds. And obviously challenging the Lakers and the Clippers is going to be very hard. But Zion Williamson... He had one of the best starts to his career and I think because he only played 20 games and he was a bit injured, they sort of downplayed it a little bit. Not as much noise with the trades that have every, and everything that has happened. But I think Zion Williamson just quietly is going to have a huge year and they will go deep into the playoffs, I think.
2: Love the way he goes about it too. Uh, humble superstar entering his second year. Looking forward to what he can produce. Uh, Michael is in Caroline Springs. Hey Mick, what was your sporting performance of the year? For
4: me it was um, William Hendricks to make the all-star game. And for an astra- Australian to succeed in baseball, it's one of the hardest international, international competitions to succeed at as an Australian because of where you start from. And that was. Our, and he performed brilliantly. He also performed brilliantly in the um, King Golf, one of the players that match in, one of the, um, in some of the uh, playoff games at the end of the year as well. So I thought that was outstanding. I also Sorry, mate. Oh, you,
2: your... you just broke up at the start. Who, who did you want to recognise again? I think you said the MLB well, baseball. Like... Did you not?
4: Yeah, Liam Hendricks, who played in the All Star game in the US yep. and played hard in the playoffs. And for an Aussie to succeed in MLB, any Aussie is amazing, given where they start from and how much competition there is for spots. So, you know, and it was a great, a great outcome for him. And, you know, he's really rated now, and you know, obviously, be set for life um, in terms of his, you know, sporting life with what he'll earn. But also, I'm um, just saying so that that guy before Jack Carroll's a midfielder, um, mm-hmm. and he play. He's actually Great mate, with Patrick Cripps's brother, and he was yeah. He was picked, most people said he'd go in the top 20, and if not top 10, and it seemed to get to pick 41, which was quite staggering. But I noticed Carlton picked the South Australian kid third, and they're heading him anyway um, uh, before they actually used their pick on I mean, him. So slid even further than I thought. And last but not least, in terms of next year, I just can't wait as a Blue fan to be at the MCG. And hear all the Essendon fans when star um, runs out against the Bombers in the first time they play each that.
2: <laughs> that will be that will be a good sound to hear, um, and one that we will all be looking forward to is crowds at the MCG. So we know round one will be your Blues against Richmond, of course, fifty thousand they are budgeting for at the moment. Um, we'll speak to Tom Morris about all of that. On the other side of this, the fixture will be out on Monday. Tom Morris will join us shortly and still plenty of time for your calls. Captains run right through until 12 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Stay tuned to Meredith Gibbs in the news for the latest on the coronavirus situation in New South Wales with Meredith Gibbs when she updates us regularly. But uh, if any information comes to hand before then, we will give it to you in terms of case numbers for the day, which they are expecting a significant increase in that. Uh, trying to chase down Tom Morris at the moment for the latest on the first test and also perhaps when the fixture for the AFL will be released. We are hearing from Monday, the fixture from rounds one to six will be um, released to the clubs. But what do you make of the cricket? would love your thoughts on that. Line's available right now if you would want to get involved and get in touch with us, one 736 736 Lots of text coming through on the temper text machine. So let's work through a couple of your texts this morning. I had a call on Carlton's number 41 pick in the draft, Jack Carroll. I asked for some more information. Dom has provided that, as our audience so often does. Jack Carroll is a smooth left footer from Perth. Looks a brilliant mix of Simon Black and Andrew Gaff. Well, that'd be a win for the Blues. Simon Black was a late draft pick, wasn't he? I'm not sure how he was overlooked, but boy... Did he achieve everything there was to achieve in the game of AFL? So if Jack Carroll is half as good as that, Blues fans be pretty happy there. Um, You want the next biggest star, Kano? Get around Noah Bolter. He's going to make Kuda look like he was in the little league. LOL. Yeah, good draft pick, Noah Bolter. Could be anything. Uh, Sporting champs of the year for me, says Ash. Who would have thought Nick Kyrgios, with an exclamation mark, would be on a very short list of the best demonstrating brilliant role model qualities with regards to the world and the COVID-19 challenges. He enhanced his reputation more so than most. And I don't reckon he played a game of tennis, did he, Nick? Um, Outstanding. We've got another one here from Steve. Hey, Kane, he's probably already a big thing, but I reckon Nick Kyrgios is ready to take the next step and win a big one this year with his new attitude. Australia might just fall in love with him, says Steve. (laughs) Jack Carroll is the son of Mr. And Mrs. Carroll. Bit of bit of humor coming through there. We'd love for you to get involved on the text. 04 double three 98, 1116. We also did ask you uh, on social media on the back of Ricky Ponting, just calling things before they happened in the cricket coverage yesterday, who your favorite special commentators are um so roger says simon kadich we're lucky to have him on the SEN coverage he's a, he's a star michael holding luke hodge um in the past john madden says nath the present chris collinsworth bit of a nfl flavor there both of those uh, outstanding hardo says kerry o'keefe then daylight entertaining isn't he Daniel um, says, Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy in the NBA. I'm a big fan also. Shane Warne and Gary Lyon getting some love, of course. A lot of our very own talent getting some love here, which is great. Uh, Rob says, Punter, and heaps of other texts coming through. Who are your favorite special commentators in the world? We know who probably the highest paid is, and that is Tony Romo, who earns $19 million, uh, $17 million a year, which is solid. Um, There's a few other things I want to get through this morning. Alistair Clarkson spoke during the week. And he's uh, used a Bruce Springsteen song to depict the past season for the Hawks and where they are at. It's called "Should I Fall Behind? Wait for Me." Now, it's not—it's uh, not Bruce's most uplifting song. A uh, beautiful voice, doesn't he? But it's not one of his um, trademark songs. Certainly, I, had, I hadn't heard of it before, but. Hawks fans finished 15th on the ladder. They're hoping to bounce back, of course. Clarko is very confident that they will do that. But do you have a song that tells us where your side sits right now and what the future may look like? Let us know if there's a song that describes your team. And I also said something controversial during the week, and um, the guys for the SEN social team picked it up, and they, they called it the most controversial call of the year because it is a time when... Backyard cricket takes over. Um, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, Summer, Mm. nothing better than backyard cricket. But what are your backyard cricket rules? Because I said there just should be no LBW in backyard cricket, but it caused a bit of a stir. I've always played backyard cricket with no LBW, and it did get us thinking about some of the rules, um, your rules for backyard cricket. And we might ask our next guest, for some of his rules in backyard cricket. He's a massive cricket man. During the winter, he's a footy guru. He quickly switches when it comes to summer and takes off his footy boots and puts his baggy cap on. His name is Tom Morris. He joins me. Tommy, thanks for your time. Thanks, Kane. How are you going this morning? LBW in backyard cricket, yes or no? Uh,
0: uh, Only if there's no shot offered would be my rule. Otherwise, no. Oh, no, no. (laughs) In fact, if there's no shot offered, and if it hits you on the full, they're the two times when it could be LBW. Otherwise, uh, there's no LBW. Otherwise, you'll have broken windows, you'll have fights, and it'll ruin yeah. the game.
2: Yeah, right. Well, and just just the last one on this. Uh, a taped up ball with electrical tape or just just a clean skin a tennis ball?
0: Uh, well, it actually depends on the surface, I reckon. So it right. depends on how flat the surface is. So if you're playing on on gravel or a driveway that's a little bit uneven, then I think a tennis ball will suffice. But... If you're playing on, not that I have owned one, but a tennis court, I know you have a tennis yeah. court, then uh, I, I think you need it strapped up. And the real skill is actually controlling the swing of the ball and then covering it up as well. So mm. I, I'm a big fan for that uh, strapped up tennis ball, but it can come off as well. So you need a few in reserve.
2: Let us know your backyard cricket rules, 0433981116. We'd be happy to work our way through your family traditions. Hey, what'd you make of the first day of the first test? I loved it. I thought the Aussies put in an outstanding performance. But a lot of people in the feedback we're getting here this morning is that it was boring. How'd you see it?
0: <laughs> welcome to 2020. Yes. Well, welcome to the new generation. It, I mean, I think it was a fantastic battle between bat and ball. Just because scoring isn't free and stumps aren't flying everywhere it doesn't mean that it wasn't a superb wrestle between two really good teams. The way Pajara played is exactly how he knew he was going to play. He wasn't going to score quickly. I mean, he only played five one-day internationals, Pajara. He's now a red and, I guess, pink ball specialist. But his one-day international strike rate is 35. He doesn't want to score quick. He loves long-form cricket. And I love it when the Indians are batting slowly, they're thinking they're hanging in there, which is right, and they're doing well to hang in there. But the Australians are going, well, if they're batting slowly and we take a couple of quick ones, as what happened late in the day, um, then, we're, then we're on top. So it, it's a risky it, It's risky to try to score quickly because then you might get out, but it's also risky to score slowly because you get stuck in quicksand. And I think yesterday was, I know it was pink ball, but it, it mm-hmm. was as traditional a, a, an opening day of a test match as you could possibly imagine. Uh, I thought it was engrossing to watch.
2: Mm. I thought they were outstanding. I thought they were right on the money. I thought with a bit of luck and there was, you know, there was four or five that dropped short in slips. There was a couple at bat pad that just fell into space that usually they would go to hand. And then you had the, the Coley dismissal, which they didn't review. I thought the Aussies were sensational. But what about the drama of the moment when Virat was <laughs> run out? That is what test cricket is all about. Good or bad, there are pivotal moments in a test match. That will certainly be one of them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it took me back to Jason Gillespie's double ton in two thousand and six, Kane, when he ran. He was batting at three and uh, as a night watchman against Bangladesh, and he ran Ricky Ponting out. Ponting was on fifty two at the time, and and Ponting was filthy. Like he was put on the barbecue, and he and he trudged off. <laughs> and Gillespie made a commitment to himself. But he didn't want to go back and sit in the change rooms and watch the rest of the team bat next to Ponting, So he batted and batted and batted for another six hours and made 201 not out, his highest test score, and he never played again. Unlike Rahani yesterday, who burnt Coley, which was a, a pretty ordinary bit of work, uh, and then was back in the sheds four overs later. So you can only imagine what the conversation would have, would have been there. We only get to see Coley twice yeah. this test summer, and that was one of them. And I don't, I, mean, I know he gloved one down the leg side, uh, and he would have been unlucky to be to be given out for that because it was so faint. But he really didn't look like playing a false shot his entire innings. He, he was gunning for a, a day two in which he would have started in the daylight with a ball that was was getting old, is going to get old pretty quickly. Uh, it was a shame for the match. But I think probably what shouldn't be underestimated as well is Josh Hazelwood's bit of fielding. He made it look very yeah. easy, but let's not forget, he's a tall, fast bowler who bowled 17 overs by this point. Uh, and it was hit fairly solidly to him. And he executed what uh, is is, is probably a bit of fielding that a lot of club um, fast bowlers all around the country would have somehow stuffed up. He did it pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And then Nathan Lyon getting back to the stumps as well. So it was efficient. It was a shame for the match. And I felt sorry for Rahani because uh, it's exactly what you don't do. You don't run out the captain.
2: I'm glad you did give Hazelwood credit because composure was the word. Very easy to get a rush of blood in that situation and panic when you know Coley was in strife. Thought it was an outstanding piece of fielding, underrated. Uh, Cam Green looks the goods.
0: Yeah, he does. Just on that fielding as well, a quick decision has to be made whether you throw at the stumps and hit the base or whether you throw over the stumps. And Nathan Lyon, being back in his position early, allowed Josh Hazelwood to make it a pretty... Easy decision. Speaking of yeah, speaking of tall players, Cam Green uh, just looks for goods, doesn't he? Oh, mm. I know there's been a lot of um, a lot of comparisons made. Greg Chappell compared him to Ricky Ponting. Kerry O'Keefe said yesterday on Fox Cricket he reckons he's going to have a Test average of at least forty five or forty seven, given how solid his technique is. It's it, all huge calls, but it's mm. so rare that you see someone uh, come in at the Test level with such a strong first class record at such a young age. No player in world cricket has a better average uh, than Cam Green in first-class cricket since the start of 2019. Uh, th- that is an incredible record. And this includes Steve Smith and Gerard Coley and, and every other player. Since the start of 2019, Green's batting average is 74 in first-class mm-hmm. cricket. So regardless of his age and his potential, he deserves his position. I'm looking forward to watching him bat at number six. Jared Whateley said it well yesterday on, on SEN. It's ominous for Matthew Wade because... If Matthew Wade fails and Burns does OK, then all of a sudden Wade might lose his spot because Green now takes charge of that number six. But I guess that's for down the track. What Australia's got is not just a, a really talented young batsman and a talented young bowler. They've got a better balanced team and it probably helps Hazelwood, Cummins and Stark as well. It, it, sort of, it, it caps off what is becoming a really, a really well-balanced and, and a really exciting Test eleven.
2: Absolutely world-class bowling attack. Hey, Tom, thanks for sharing your thoughts and your opinions, particularly relating to backyard cricket, which has gone bunter on the uh, text machine as well, mate. Have a great Christmas. Thanks for your time today. You too. Thanks, Kate. Tom Morris there. Your backyard cricket rules. Uh, Tom says LBW only if it hits you on the full and you don't offer a shot coming through, but vicious feedback. We'll get through some of those very, very shortly on 0433 98.11.16, automatic wiki um, is a must. Some coming through here. One hand, one bounce, but only if you take it without bobbling the ball. So you can still have your beer in one hand and dismiss the batsman with the other. Some of these rules are fascinating and quite detailed as well. As I said, we'll get through a lot of those on the temper text machine very, very shortly. Big show coming up until 12. You can have your say one 736 736
1: the captain's run with Kane Corns. Good news
2: yesterday, finally we got the dates through for the Australian Open. After much debate, it was pushed back, but it's locked in for the 8th of February. It's going to run through to the 21st next year. It's three weeks later than usual, so who better to get on the line to discuss that is the premier tennis coach in the world, if you don't mind. He's also a Port Adelaide board member, and he wears many hats. Darren Cale is his name. Killer, thanks for your time again. Kane and Andy, good morning. Probably no surprises, but we eventually landed on February the 8th. Is it a good outcome? Yeah, I think so.
10: Considering everything that Tennis Australia has gone through, considering that they thought they were going to be able to get the players in early December and have a big summer of tennis here, and then clearly what happened in Victoria scared everyone there, and they had to go back to the drawing board, get everything done again. And I just, you know, looking through what Tennis Australia is going to here to actually put this event on with the biosecurity and the hotel costs and the charter flight costs and
1: the suit and the
10: medical just everything that they're having to pay for to make this event happen uh we as tennis players are very thankful it's going ahead i know it's three weeks later but certainly uh, better to be going
11: ahead than than being cancelled and waiting until 2022 so given kill it we've got a blueprint do you think uh, all the top players will turn up yeah i reckon most will
10: i think that we've Tried to go through this as clearly as possible, and and five hours—it's the two-week quarantine, which is the issue for players coming down and having to be in a hotel room for two weeks. Now they're allowed out for five hours a day, and that's a great thing. So you get a couple of hours on the court, get an hour or so to work in the gym, uh, a little bit of food, a little bit of stretching, and then back to the hotel room. You can't come back out of that hotel room until the next day when your five, five hours comes up again. So. That's a little bit different. It's not too bad for all of us returning Australians that have come back in and had to do hard quarantine for two weeks. Um, the tennis players are not necessarily that used to it in the sense that well, it's kind of our life anyway. Mm. We go to the tennis courts, we go train as hard as we can. We, we work for five or six hours a day. You go back to the hotel rooms. You might go out to a restaurant, but a lot of players are staying in the hotel room anyway. So, but our, our lives are not too dissimilar to what they're asking us to do for those two weeks. So I think most will come. You might get the odd player that won't come, but I think most will turn up.
2: Was the conditions negotiated by and with in consultation with some of the players, Killer? And, and who are the, the key decision makers from a, a tennis perspective that would have been consulted?
10: Well, I think Craig Tiley has been trying to get this up for months. So from a Tennis Australia perspective, he's the one that's been pushing this through. And, and most of his negotiations clearly would be with the Italian government and whoever's looking after the biosecurity over there, but with the ATP and the WTA. So they go directly to the bosses. It's Steve Simon from the WTA and Andrea cordenzi from the ATP. And to get this through with the players, they are the two people, the the people in charge of tennis, that they would have to get it through with. So Craig Tiley would have been in direct communication with those guys. Uh, The players and the player council from both the men's and the women's tour, they've been meeting every week, so basically going through updated restrictions about the two-week quarantine when the tournaments are going to be on how far they're going to be pushed back to what they can expect when they come here to australia so it's been a real long ongoing process but thankfully we've got a date now a little bit complicated with the qualifier you guys heard about what's happening with the qualifier
2: well it's going to be played all around the country isn't it is that is that what's happening and what will the key events be yeah so the problem is
10: getting the internationals out also the victorian government is only letting 1,000 internationals come in Mm. in regards to this tennis tournament. So if you count all the players, you've got 128 in the main draw for both singles. That's 256. And you have plus two or plus one for for most of those players. It gets to 1,000 pretty quickly. And then you double that with qualifying, 128 in both the men and the women's draw. So what they've decided to do is run the qualifying early January. The men's is going to be in Dubai, and the women's is going to be in Doha or it might be the other way around. But they're running the qualifying outside of Australia, and that's going to limit the amount of internationals coming in because only the successful qualifiers will be coming into Australia, and it's 16 for each for each event.
2: Sounds pretty reasonable. We know some players like to travel with a large entourage, some just happy with their coach and perhaps a physio. What will the restrictions be on the travelling parties for each player? Is there a cap on that? Yeah, so it's come out that it's plus two for the
10: top ten players, I believe, or the seeded players, top uh, plus two, and for the rest of the main draw, it's plus one, and then doubles is a little bit the same as well. But there aren't going to be some exemptions, and, and kids, players that have families and small children will be exempt from that. Uh, so if Serena Williams is coming into town, clearly her family will be exempt, and she'll be able to do that. Roger Federer is exactly the same. So... I think Tennis Australia will do its best to make sure that they are sensible about it. But, you know, if you're ranked 50 in the world and hoping to bring your mother and your father and a friend and a coach and a physio, that's not going to happen clearly. So, Australian Open previous years has always been a great destination event. So, a lot of the players do turn up with really large entourages. And getting a player badge, a guest badge at the Australian Open has always been a bit of a struggle because there are so many hanger honours that, that come to the event. Mm. But... Tennis Australia this year has has put a cap on it and
11: it'll be a pretty lean and mean event. Gun Aussie tennis coach and Port Adelaide board member Darren Cahill joins us this morning on 1629 SENSA. Killer, um, can you give us a a schedule for Simona leading up?
10: So she will go across to uh, Abu Dhabi to play. There's an event the week before the players are due to get on the charter uh, charter playing, which is on the January 14th and 15th. So Abu Dhabi is from the 6th to the 13th. lot of the players will go over there and try to get some matches in before they get on that charter plan before they go into quarantine. She'll go into quarantine 15 to the 30th. I'll shoot across to Melbourne, go into quarantine with her and the team and hopefully get a chance to do some work with her during those two weeks. And then we all come out, all the players come out on about January 30th and Tennis Australia is putting on a bunch of events before the Aussie Open starts on February 8th. So I think the ATP Cup is happening. It's going to be a A cut-down event with only about 12 teams. The ATP has also put a $250,000 tournaments, And then there's two WTA 500 events, all to be played in Melbourne. I'm not sure where they're going to be played just yet, Mm. but there's going to be a bunch of tennis on going into the Australian Open. And that's just to give everyone a chance to get some competitive matches and certainly to get used to the the heat and conditions that they should expect in Melbourne around that time as well. And then, of course, the Aussie Open starts February 8th
2: the uh, Australian Open being the first Grand Slam of the year do you think the other majors will take a, a keen interest on how the Aussies handle it and will they follow suit for the for the rest of the tournaments across the year?
10: Yeah it's a bit tough to judge isn't it Kane because we're so different here in Australia where our philosophy has been to stamp out the coronavirus mm-hmm. and, and as we're seeing in Sydney at the moment at the moment there's a community transmission uh, all hell breaks loose and everything gets shut down so that's not the policy for the rest of the world. And most of the countries in Europe and certainly America are just well, going about their business in a normal fashion. They're, they're trying to take measures to, to stay away from the coronavirus, but they're not doing a great job of it. But they're still running the events anyway. So to, to replicate what's happening here in Australia, I think is nearly impossible. Uh, what I try to stress to Simona, and she has a thousand questions about coming down here as well, and certainly about the quarantine is that once you get down here and you get through that quarantine, which is not going to be too bad, once you get through that quarantine, welcome to normal life for a large part. Mm. You can go out to restaurants, you can go to the beaches, you can get in the car, you can go shopping. You, you don't have to worry too much about, you can still be careful, but don't have to worry too much about what you're going through at the moment in Europe or America. So for those four or five weeks that you're going to be down here in Australia, it's going to be a great time for you and a breath of fresh air, certainly.
11: Let's just say, uh, Kiel, that perhaps some of the top players don't turn up uh, and on the men's side of things. um, Tanasi Kokonakis, how have you seen his return? Uh, Because we're we're quietly getting excited over here. We're a massive fan of him. And uh, what he's been doing in Melbourne uh, has been nice to watch. Yes, sure has, hasn't
10: it? And he just had a horrid run with injuries and some sickness. And I know Tanasi pretty well. He's an Adelaide boy. He works incredibly hard. We all have our fingers crossed for him that he can continue this. He's won a couple of UTR events, uh, which has been great for him to get those matches in Melbourne. And the best part about it it is not so much him winning, but staying healthy and getting through those events. And what he's had a lot of trouble is he, he does a lot of training, builds up momentum. He plays an event or two, and then he's been breaking down. And it's great to see him get through those two events and not do that and it's just going to be a building block process for him over the next couple of years, and, and hopefully he doesn't rush it, and he certainly deserves to be given an opportunity to play. Can I also mention another Adelaide boy, Lee 2. Uh, Lee 2's, uh, I don't know if you remember Lee Kane. He was a, a local junior here about six or seven years ago, one of the best in Australia. Um, lost his way with tennis a little bit, so retired from the game for about four or five years, but he's just starting to get back into it now. He's on an amazing run working incredibly hard the last 12 months. I think he's about 43-3 and in UTR events around Australia so far in the last six months. And he's up against uh, uh, Ricky, just trying to think of his surname. Um, It's a huge final today for him to play across in Sydney, and he's doing incredibly well. And he's going to certainly be in line with the Australian Open qualifying uh, wildcard if he was to get through this one today. So uh, good luck to lead a young Adelaide boy. He's doing incredibly well.
2: Yeah, it's time now for Chad's Brothers Quiz, 18 holes of golf for two, thanks to Club Mandalay. A must-play course in Melbourne's North. The theme for the quiz, well, it's the test match between the Aussies and India. Jason is going to kick us off. Now, if you're not confident in Jason's ability, give us a call because, as you know, it's last person standing. But, Jace, I hope you go five from five. Good morning.
4: Good morning, Kane. How are you going?
2: I'm very well. Now, easy one to start. Who was the only Aussie bowler that took more than one wicket yesterday?
4: Mitchell Stark.
2: was Mitchell Stark. He was on right from his first ball. Um, What answer you? Question one has been done. Question number two. Who were the two Aussie players involved in the run-out of Indian skipper Virat Kohli?
5: Josh Hazelwood and Gary Lyon. Yes,
2: take that. That is acceptable. Question number three Who was the last player to receive his baggy green before Cameron Green did yesterday? That's a tough one. McCoskey? Uh, no, hasn't played for his country yet, but you did some heavy lifting. Good on you to you, Jace. Let's go to Andrew, who's in sunshine. Andrew? Kane, you always give me a tough one. Um, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. It was six hundred and ninety-three days ago. So long, long time ago. The last player to get their baggy green before Cameron Green is is a bowler.
4: Okay, bowler.
2: Nah, got me. Thank you. Don't have it. Uh, Appreciate your contribution to our show this year, mate. Appreciate it. Let's go to another Andrew. This time in beautiful Tasmania. G'day, Andrew. How you going? I'm well. Uh, who was the last player to receive his baggy green before Cameron Green did yesterday?
4: Uh, sorry, mate.
2: got no idea. Okay. Well, might have to start giving some clues away. He's a, he's a bowler. He's not an out-and-out out quick. More relies on uh, moving the ball off the seam and a, a bit of swing. Jared's in Cairns. Does that help you out, Jared? Yeah, mate. Uh, is it Michael Nita? Was it wasn't, unfortunately. one three hundred seven three six seven three six Tough one. Um, 693 days ago, this person received his baggy green. And he plays with the Perth Scorchers. There's another hint. Michael in Bandura. G'day, Mick. G'day, Kane. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Joe Richardson. Ah, yes. We got there in the end. Good man. Two to go for you for the win. How many runs did Joe Burns make? in his nine first-class knocks in the lead-up to the first test. And I'll accept an answer within five runs. 24. It was a bit more than 24. Uh, appreciate your thoughts this morning, Michael. Let's go to Ivan in South Arrow. There's two questions left, and if you want to have your say and win the prize, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736
0: 736 Ivan, g'day, mate. G'day, Kane. Uh, I'm going to guess 35.
2: It was a bit more than thirty-five. So um, he averaged the um, average nine. I think we just uh, unfortunately didn't hang up in time there. But he averaged what? What did he average? He averaged seven, didn't he? In his nine first-class knocks, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We got any calls there back in the studio? I'm just waiting for my screen to update. We do. Let's go to Aaron. G'day to you, Aaron. Got you there, Aaron. G'day. Okay, how you yeah, going? Mate. How many runs did Joe Burns make in his nine first-class knocks in the lead-up to the first test? Uh, let's go with 57. I said I'd accept within five, so I'll give you that. He made 62 runs, uh, so he just got in there. For the win, mate, which of the Aussie players admitted that he struggled to pick up the pink ball due to colour blindness? I wasn't aware of this. I think it was
10: Matthew Wade. He's colour
2: blind. Uh, I think you would be correct. Um, what unto you? Um uh, who was I speaking to again? I've got Cam on the screen, but it's not Cam. So who won? Who, who? Who? James, Jimmy, congratulations, mate! You've won the 18 holes of golf for two. Thanks to Club Mandalay, a must-play course in Melbourne's north. James, the winner of the last Chad's Brothers quiz this morning, and I played with Tom Logan, who was colour blind. Um, playing footy didn't didn't seem to affect him too much, but there was moments in team meetings and. He, he did see the funny side of it often. If someone would ask, you know, what colour, who, who's got the ball in terms of you wear different colour bibs, and he just had absolutely no idea, but he did see the lighter side of that. Coming up next, Brad Haddon, key part of the SEN commentary team, is going to join us for his thoughts on the first day of the first test in Adelaide yesterday. Haddon
11: will join us on the other side of this. Let's uh, chat to him right now, Brad Haddon. Of course, former Aussie cricketer, he's part of the SEN commentary team. It was a big day yesterday. Good morning to you, Brad. Morning, boys. How are you going? Going very well, thanks, mate. So good to have you on board. Take us through it. What was it like being back at live sport with actual crowds?
7: Mate, yeah, that's the first thing. It was outstanding being at the cricket and seeing the Adelaide Oval light up with all the crowds. But what a day's test cricket was. Yeah. We weren't disappointed. We had early wickets from Mitchell Stark. We had a little fight back from Pajaro and Coley. Then that late in the day, everyone's talking about it. India just starting to wrestle back momentum. And Rahani, he'll never play for India again. Rest totally yeah.
2: <laughs> We've been chatting about it this morning about oh. the, the worst feelings in sport. Um, that would have to be right up there. Did you ever get yourself in a situation like that where your partner's up the other end on a, on a big score, really important innings, and, and you have a, a run out that you just shouldn't have had?
7: Yeah, we've all been in that situation. I remember the first ball of a state season once coming off great form leading into it and Corey Richards whacked the first ball um through mid wicket. He's called yes, no, sorry. And I was stranded down the same end as uh as him. So mate, we've all had those situations where mate how bad does it feel? But what I would like to um been is that See later. Um I would have liked to see what happened in the change room afterwards. Oh, yeah. When do they go and approach Coley? Do they say anything to him? Oh, that That's the uh, bit we need to get the cameras into.
11: So if you are the skipper in a situation like that, has, should should Coley just straight away say, "Right, let's get on with things? Or would you expect him to probably maybe sulk for a while?
1: Uh,
7: you'd expect him to get on to it. But you've got to work the room, don't you? It's got to be one of those moments. Coley can be an emotional character. We actually didn't look like getting him out in that period of the game. So... It uh Rahani had a decision to make, Does he go up to him to the rest of the players, uh, test the water, it would have been uncomfortable.
2: It would have been. It was a, a key moment, clearly. Uh, India, as you said, he was just starting to turn the screws as well, starting to find the boundary. They were starting to score more freely than they had the whole day and then bang, and the Aussies take three for 18 with the new ball. It, it's magnificent under lights with the pink ball, Has, isn't it? It just does add a different element.
7: Yeah, it does, and, and I know we talk about the iconic test matches, the, the MCG Boxing Day uh, Cricket Ground New Year's, but this can turn into one of those events as well. The, the Adelaide Oval was perfect for a pink ball test. The, the wicket's always outstanding. It offers a lot to both bat and ball, so it was great yesterday, as you said before, to, to get back to some live sport, but also playing such an iconic and beautiful venue.
2: He was uh, lucky in a way because on 16 he was caught behind by a pain with some nice work behind the stumps. The Aussies didn't review it. He was out. What's the process um, in terms of when you review and who should be consulted? Because it didn't look like the Aussies were that interested in it.
7: Yeah, it looks like they're, to me they're a little bit gun shy. They've had some problems over the last few years with with DRS. We've seen that one in, in the um, Ashes test at, at Headingley. But... I normally think the process is the the captain. If it's a fast bowler, you look at point to see if they can get the height of where the ball's hit and the bowler because sometimes emotion can get involved in the game. and, And if you're on top, all of a sudden you've got eight blokes out of there that want to help and have an opinion on what needs to happen. And if the game's drifting away from you, all of a sudden it's a lonely place to do so. I just look at point and the bowler.
11: It just—it seemed, though, it had, that in a situation like that where Matt Wade's got the best view on the planet uh, from everyone else, yes. and if he's saying, look, I heard something, I think, well, uh, seeing what he mouthed and he said that, can the captain still go, all right, well, look, I'm going to trust you, even though I don't think so, or, or is it always purely his personal opinion?
7: No, he get his opinion. Matthew Wade had a good look, but the thing about it, he would have heard something, but he wouldn't have been 100% sure whether taking the gloves, but... To me, I would have had a look upstairs with it. One, they had three reviews now, and Cole is such a big moment in the game. You talk about winning big moments in test matches. If, if you want, you're going to waste one, you might as well waste it on a 50-50 yeah. call to Virat Cole because he's such an influential part of winning the test match.
2: Um, I thought the Aussie bowlers were sensational, but can I get a can I get a word on what you saw from Cameron Green? He bowled the nine overs, very economical. He bowls with good pace. He gets good bounce. Um, is he as good as everyone's saying he's going to be?
7: Yeah, I had, a, I had a first look at Cameron Green last week in the Indian-Australia A game, and well, I've known a lot about his batting and how calm he's under pressure, but I, I was shocked with the pace he's, he's bowling. Um, he's going to add and you're not dynamic to this attack. Yes, the guys are tall, but this guy's two metres tall. Um, well, someone coming from that height, no matter if it's a flat wicket or the wicket's got a bit in there, you've got a bigger margin for error. They sort of play with your feet a little bit more because of the height that they come at. So you know, he's going to be a real talent. And we haven't seen a genuine all-round of the bowls, 140 Ks and bats the way does for a long, long time.
2: Mm, looking forward to hopefully getting a look at him bat today. Or the Aussies will hope he doesn't have to bat, but uh, the big story is, is Joe Burns and his selection and Wade opening. How he be feeling right now and was it the right call to select him, do you think?
7: Yeah, they'll, they'll be nervous. Uh, Matthew Wade, um, he, he's a fighter. He, he'll get the job done and not too much um, worries him, but Joe Burns leading into the, the test match, we would just like to see something from him, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a 50 even in those A games, just to get some um, mental demons aside in his head. So he, he, he'll be nervous. I, I'd imagine once he came into camp with the Australians, he would have known five days ago that he was playing. And then it was all about clearing his head and making sh- sure he can get the best possible chance to, to score runs. But he, he'd be naive to think that he's not... Not nervous at all and got a little bit of doubt, especially with the record he's got so far this summer.
11: Had thoughts on the pink ball and should we see more day-night tests in our Aussie summers?
7: I like it. Um, I I think there should be, there's a place for it, definitely. Um, As I said before, maybe this can be an an event each year. Um, Adelaide hosts it really well, not only from the, the venue, which stands up great, but the, the buzz around the crowd and everyone really enjoyed it. So I think pink ball tests are here to say, um, I think it brings another exciting element to test cricket and, and also another uh, tactical element as well. You, you've got to um, work out when to declare and when to not the, the dust period becomes real uncomfortable. It can flatten out in the middle. So it's good uh, tactically and it brings another
11: edge to the game. Uh, Warney had an interesting idea that we could see the pink ball even throughout day test matches. Is that something that you could see happen? Oh, not really. Um,
7: I, I think the pink balls should be uh, solely for, for night cricket. It, it works well there. I, I like the the way the red ball responds in in uh, in, in test cricket. where you can it gets tired. You can get it to reverse. I, I haven't seen a pink ball reverse yet. Um, so yeah, I, I'd like to stick to the traditional way.
2: Take us through the SEN commentary team hads and the spread at Adelaide Oval. Who who loves the, the the food? Was it a good spread and what was it like? Did they look after you yesterday?
7: No, we're on um, um, protocol, so you you got to make sure you you're isolated with your eat. But I, I tell you what, the uh, plum chicken was still um, there for Beautiful. that tradition at Adelaide uh, Oval. But you just got to make sure your timings are right because mate Gavin Robinson. Mate, he hasn't been down to Adelaide over for a few years, and he def- definitely took a few shares. Did he? All
2: right. Well, <laughs> before we let you go, what can we expect today? What, what are the big storylines? we get Steve Smith into bat, world class, but what else can we expect?
7: Uh, what we uh, hope happens is that Australia need to n- knock these um, Ashwin and, and Saha over early. They, they put on about 30, yes, they have 30 balls, and they're, they're a dangerous tale that these two. They can move the game forward really quick. It looks about a 300 wicket. So you don't want India getting any more than that. I think they can knock the last three over pretty quick. And then let's see how these openers go. But, yeah, I expect some runs from Matty Wade at to the top. And Steve Smith, he hasn't had a bat for a while. I've seen him laying on the wicket yesterday feeling it. It looked like he was just <laughs> talking to it, saying, me and you're about to spend some time together <laughs> over the next five days. So they're just getting it, um, acquainted with each other. So... Look out for that.
2: Oh, good on you, mate. Welcome to Adelaide. Pleasure to have you. Great to hear you on uh, SEN and part of the coverage. Appreciate your time this morning and have a wonderful Christmas.
7: Any boys.
2: Well, that's it from me for 2020. Just want to thank you to everyone who contributed to the show. It doesn't happen without you, so that everyone that called, that sent us a text, that sent us a tweet, whether that be nice or mean, I appreciate your input into the show. I'll be back um the week beginning the 18th of January. Look forward to discussing all things sport with you and your passion ahead of next year, which we hope is a little bit more normal than what this year was. Have a magnificent Christmas to you and your family. Stay safe and I'll speak to you next year. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au.